0: Silencer Central. Folks, if you want to learn something new right alongside me, check it out at silencercentral.com. I've never put a suppressor on any of my weapons, but I'm going to start now. And I'm using Silencer Central to help get me started because they walk you through the whole process. To include, you can ship the rifle to them, they'll thread it, they'll put it on, and they will ship it back. And you can make payments on the whole thing while you wait for all the licensing to get approved which they take care of for you it's a great process and it's a great company american manufacturer right there in south dakota and we are really excited to be partnering with them so check it out at silencercentral.com or give them a call at 888-781-8778 and let them know that you heard it on the western huntsman hoffman boots is my go-to boot. I love the Explorers in the 8-inch, and they've got the Vibram sole, totally waterproof, no break-in period. They just glue your feet to the mountain. You can't ask for more out of a boot, and you don't have to break the bank to get a pair. So check it out at HoffmanBoots.com. Again, another American company. A local North Idaho friend of mine who runs this company decided to make some Great hunting boots for all people that are serious about getting into the backcountry to chase elk and deer and bear and everything else out there. So check it out at com. Use promo code huntsman 10 at checkout to save you 10%. Hey guys, sorry about the uh, quick hiatus there through uh, the month of September, but we are back in action here at the Broken Time Studio, and I'm on with somebody that I'm pretty excited about uh, I've been wanting to talk to for a long time, so... Buckle up, guys. We've got a good episode for you. Let's roll. There exists a threat. From anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. This is Jim Huntsman, your host, coming at you from the Broken Tines studio right here in Heron, Montana, Clark Fork, Idaho area. Uh, Before I kick this episode off, guys, I want to introduce a new sponsor to the show. I'm really excited about these guys because I've kind of got a personal connection to them. Uh, We're going to welcome Barnes Bullets. They manufacture copper bullets right out of Utah and uh interestingly this uh facility i know exactly where it's at because it's uh, right on the on the, the drive to my dad's ranch i used to drive by this place all the time and so because of that i've i've actually been using barnes bullets for a long time and so it worked out perfect so i'd like to uh just introduce you guys to barnes bullets you can check them out at barnesbullets.com uh and they've got everything from just you know your your regular ammunition to reloading components muzzle loader they've got cool apparel everything so check them out at barnsbullets.com guys and and let me know what you think uh and get get stocked up for what we have left of the fall hunt so guys again i apologize for uh being gone so long it was a uh, it was a crazy september and uh, we might get into a little bit of that but uh today I've got Jonathan McCormick, who is with Red Beard Outdoors out of Utah, uh, speaking of Utah. And he's somebody I've been following for uh, actually quite a while on Instagram and a really good Instagram page. In fact, let me pull that up here. Jonathan, how you doing, brother?
1: Doing really well. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate the invite.
0: Hey, So if you guys are uh, on Instagram, check out at Outdoors. And it is uh, really good content. So, I want to, Jonathan. Let, let's kick it off. Give us like an overview of who you are and what you do, and and we'll kind of take it from there, man.
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, I do a lot of things, and I'm uh, I'm a dad first and foremost. Uh, dad of five children, and uh, some of them are grown, and some of them aren't. And there's kind of a blended family going on there, but I call them my kids because their dad's not in the picture, and absolutely love each and every one of them. So that's first and foremost. And then after that, I'm a podcast host. Uh, I have a nine to five. So unfortunately, I don't get to live off of just podcasting and hunting, but that's the goal one day. Uh, I work with some amazing companies. I'm big into fitness. My main four pillars that I talk about consistently are faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. I feel like all of those things tie together and I'm personally on my own journey. I'm definitely not perfect. And I try and stress that I'm not an expert in anything. Uh, but I do really enjoy the journey of getting better every single day. And I just want to share that with people. So that's the gist of the Instagram, the podcast. I just want people to get better. And uh, I'm tired of all the infighting and all the, well, this is better than that. in the hunting community and the, and the fishing community or whatever else outdoorsman community there is. I just want people to get out and enjoy life and live a happier, healthier, more successful life.
0: I love it man and I love I love the concept of uh you know red beard outdoors tell everybody where you got the name <laughs> it's kind
1: of cheesy but <laughs> I was sitting there uh at a at a job that I didn't like um and uh it was kind of a dead end job I realized that you know I wasn't moving up because they kept filling that spot with people outside the company and uh so I was looking to do other things and uh I just enjoyed getting outdoors with my kids Um, I was in an office. And so whenever I'd come in on a random day off during the week, they would be like, oh, what'd you do? And a lot of people were like, oh, I did chores around the house, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And at the time I had toddlers or a baby and they're like, you would go on hikes with your kids? How do you do that? And I'm like, I'm like, guys, we're in Utah. It's freaking gorgeous. You drive 10 minutes and you could be at five to six different trailheads and explore different parts of the mountain. And most of them, at least for the first mile, are kid friendly. And if not, that's what baby carriers are for. So exactly. get yourself in shape and carry your kids. And uh, and I would even, you know, this is something that I would do when the kids were a little bit younger. Um, whenever I noticed kids were having a, a hard day at school or whatever, uh, I'd check them out and I I'd, I'd take them for a two hour hike in the middle of the day. And um, that those are things that I would do with my kids and try and spend that one on one time with them. But Sharing that with other people is why well. I started the Instagram. And then uh, I kept saying I was going to start a podcast, going to start a podcast. And then I finally just set a date and I told two or three of my closest friends that I was going to start it. And once I tell people something, I go for it. And so cool. Uh, I, wouldn't recommend, I wouldn't recommend listening to the first probably 10 to 15 episodes because I sounded pretty monotone. But <laughs> I leave them out there so you can see the progress that's been made. And that it's okay to put yourself out there, whether it be on YouTube, social media, whatever, as long as you're being yourself and you're not trying to hide or be some kind of facade, um, you know, it's, it's always a good thing to do.
0: Well, at least you've progressed, man. Uh, My, uh, my uh, podcast episodes today are just as bad as my first few. So, um, you know, it is what it is. (laughs) I doubt that, man. (laughs) I have, speaking of, uh, I I love the, the concept of taking the kiddos out uh you know in, into the into the outdoors especially when they're young um my uh my girls went camping this is when we we uh my wife and I uh moved from Idaho back down to Utah we actually both grew up in Utah uh and we didn't know each other and met up here in North Idaho um after after I'd gotten out of the service and and whatever and anyway I I took a job down in Utah and that's where we had um our two, our two girls. And anyway, I've got, I've got some great pictures of my wife bass fishing at Lake Powell with uh, my youngest in a backpack. And it's pretty, you know, those uh, baby carrier backpacks, they, they make them totally different nowadays, but you know, 11, 12 years ago um, they were real big and bulky and stuff. And my wife's really short. So it's, it's like super awkward looking, but I've got a great picture (laughs) of her reeling in a bass at Lake Powell right on the beach. (laughs) <laughs> with oh, the baby awesome. in the back so yeah no lot, lots uh we have lots in common i uh I, I think so this uh and and just so everybody knows uh, we we got connected through eastman's eastman's uh scott over there reached out and and uh mentioned we should we should get together and record i'm glad he did
1: oh yeah 100 and they're really good guys over there at eastman's
0: i want to talk about this uh elk season you just came out of um here we are in october <laughs> And Utah's kind of tricky, man, because they have uh, a lot of like and I don't know what how much has changed. I what year did I leave there? I think 2011, 2012. Uh, they had these really early season tags and they had a <laughs> lot of like yep. spike only units and getting an open bowl unit was really difficult. I can't remember exactly how it worked out, but. Uh tell me a little bit about how this last September went because I'm I'm uh I'm pretty fanatical about September elk season. Or September. Elk oh no, season. for sure.
1: Yeah, no for sure. And honestly, yes, Utah is weird. Uh we start kind of in the middle of August, if you get the over the counter tag. And uh it goes through it was uh when I first started hunting, which was just a couple years ago as far as archery is concerned. Um it was through September 15th is when the general tag would end and it kind of blew my mind. Cause you know, I was new to elk hunting with a bow and I'm like, why are they cutting us off in the middle of September? Yeah. Like, that doesn't seem cool. And, and right after that, you get the muzzleloader and then you've got the rifle season. I'm like, how about we just take the couple weeks from August and put them at the end of the September. So we've got all of September, like Montana and a couple of other company or uh, states do. Yeah. And, uh, And honestly, I don't know why they don't do it, but they have extended it. Now it goes through, uh, it kind of varies, but it's usually around the 21st or 22nd that the general tag ends. And then you can get the, um, if you go through your online course, you can get your extended archery permit, which it's different units. Um, It's a lot more shrunken of an area, but you can hunt all the way through the middle of December with your bow.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: So. Yeah, so that's something that I'm still pursuing as far as uh, my Utah tag. I still have yet to get an elk in Utah. Um, I've had close encounters and gotten closer and closer. Um, I helped a a buddy pack one out last year that uh, it was basically either me or him was going to get the bull. The bull ended up running downhill towards him, so he ended up getting it. But it was a really cool broken off seven by two uh, bull. Interesting. And uh really old. Yeah, he had survived the muzzle season. He had a slug in his front right shoulder, um, from where the muzzle had just shattered his shoulder, but he survived. Um, you know, he'd broken off his his antler on one side, which the thought of I mean, he had some good mass. He wasn't a spindly seven by probably would have been a seven by seven. Uh but the fact that that's broken off, that still blows my mind. It's like breaking a femur. I yeah, mean man. those things are intense. Uh, anyway, so this year uh, was my third season with an actual bow in my hand. Um, and I've been hunting them a little bit before that, but I, I was going with a buddy of mine because I didn't know if I wanted to get fully invested into archery or not. And then when I did pick up a bow, I made it a goal for myself that I wasn't going to actually hunt an animal until I'd had a year behind the bow. Um, I, I, I'm i very much, a I love animals. And at one point in my life, I wanted to be a veterinarian. So I just, I have a passion for, Treating animals, not as sentient beings per se, but as something that's respected. Yeah. And so, you know, for me personally, not that everyone has to do this, but I just said, you're not going after an animal until you've got a year behind your bow. of consistent practice. So um, long story short, three years later, and uh, this year was my first time hunting out of state for an elk. And we went to Colorado and I went with the first form outdoors crew. And, uh, we had a great, I was there for 11 days. Um, they were there for a little bit less than that. I think it was seven days or so, seven or eight days. Cause they had a longer drive to get back out East into the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And, um, and on that last day, of course, the day after they left, I put a bull down with my bow for the first time. Heck and, yeah, uh, man. it was just an amazing experience. Yeah.
0: I think I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward on the Instagram here. Um, right. First archery elk, three plus years in the making. Heck yeah! Mm-hmm. And that's a great bull. I mean, you know, for, for me, any elk is a trophy. I don't care if if you're out there chasing. When you're going archery, any elk is a trophy in my book. Um, yep. And I'm kind of I'm slapping myself. I I passed. I I've been. You know, yapping my lips all year about how I I, w- I won't even pass on a on a spike, and I I did that like twice this September, and now I'm kicking oh. myself. But I still have a rifle season, so um, that that's the nice thing within or or in Idaho is you can you can go you know archery, and then you can go into the rifle for I don't know like five days, and then you can go into um, loader and uh, and then there's a late archery season, so it's not over yet. But um, yeah. What, uh, after, after going out September and you got your first bowl down with, with your bow, Mm -hmm. are you hooked? Is, is archery your new thing?
1: Oh man, I've been, I've been hooked since. So I, uh, I have a really, he's one of my best friends now and he's an amazing CPA, great guy overall, amazing outdoorsman. He's been here in Utah hunting since he could, which I think is the age of 12 or something like that. And even before then he was going with his dad and grandpa. So he's always been hunting. Loves deer. He's actually the the one that got me actually hooked here in Utah because I was on the verge of moving back to North Carolina. And my wife and I had made these plans. I was going to be a physical therapist, go to PT school out east, you know, uh-huh. take care of the East Coast people where I'm from, which I'm originally from North Carolina. And uh and then I just I I can't remember exactly the situation, but basically I went over to Brent's house and I saw a bunch of Euros in his garage and I was like, oh. He's a hunter. Cool. I don't know much about Western hunting at all. And from an East coast guy, when you look at the mountains out here, they seem unconquerable. Yeah. To a degree <laughs> of like, you don't even know where to start. And so, uh, I asked him if I could go along with him. He was like, oh yeah, sure. And he's, he's an amazing mentor. I mean, he, I've seen him put so many people uh, on their first hunts. Uh, I, you know, he's just, he's an awesome dude. Loves giving of his time and, and getting people out there. And so he bore with me as I was learning, you know, what kind of gear I needed and uh, being really sucky at hiking and not being able to spot animals. And now we've gotten to the point where um, I'll spot animals before him. You know, and it's, it's mm-hmm. fun to have a little game like that. But uh, a couple of years ago, he got, you know, we were out and it happened to be one of those rifle seasons where elk and deer crossed. Uh, across seasons, and he had both tags in his pocket. So we were actually out looking for mule deer, and um, and I still wasn't hunting with a bow at that time. And we're kind of glassing, and we look over, and we're like, "Oh, that kind of looks like a rock." And he puts his binos down, and then I, you know, I'm kind of like, "Man, that that rock doesn't look like a rock. It's got multiple shades of brown, and wait, there's antlers on that thing." <laughs> and it was kind of weird because I'd never seen an elk in person before that. And I was like, that rack looks really, really funky. I'm like, can you get your spotter out? And he pulls a spotter. I was like, I can't believe it. There's a bull there. And there's never, the bulls are never that low uh, this time of year. Let alone, it was, the, it was like nine o'clock in the morning. And this bull was bedded with no shade, no cover. Like it was just a really odd, like I'm looking back at it now. I'm like, that's a really weird scenario. Yeah. Like the bull was by himself. Should've been at least with some other bachelor bulls at this time, if not with some cows. it was kind of in that crossover period and and I'm like, why was he there? I don't know, but either way my my buddy ends up getting to within a couple hundred yards of him. I think it was like two fifty, and the bull's still bedded. it was like nine thirty at that point. And I'm like, dude, like you should be moving I'm getting hot like I can only imagine you know like why aren't you moving yeah weird. So anyway he 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 ends up he he shoots him and uh And the bull fell down the hill, which we were thinking at the time, that's cool. It'd be easier to pack out while we end up getting in a crap ton of scrub oak and nasty stuff that definitely didn't help with cleaning them. But I walked up on that elk and I still had yet to see, I'd never heard of bugle. This was the first elk I'd ever laid eyes on in person. And I just walked up and at that point I was hooked. And I hadn't even, I hadn't even considered hunting elk at that time. I think that was my first year with a rifle hunting deer mule deer Uh yeah and uh at that point i was like okay i want to hunt elk like just seeing how much meat we were able to get off of him he was a solid he was either a five by six or a a mass monster five by five but he was a big bull uh and definitely bigger than anything i'd ever seen at that Mm -hmm. point is when i was hooked 100 percent on elk and uh kind of progressed from there
0: (laughs) yeah that's that's interesting man that that especially in it's funny you say that. Actually, I I don't know what you know. I grew up in Utah, uh, and and you were talking about living in North Carolina. I actually lived in North Carolina as well. I I uh, was stationed <laughs> out there with the Marines. So again, we have a lot of similarities here. Um, oh,
1: sweet. I was actually born at Cherry Point.
0: Oh, were you really? Yeah. So I was mm-hmm. I was at Lejeune. Uh, not yeah. Before. My dad was a Marine. Sweet. And so so you know that country well and. You can imagine for a kid out West growing up, all of a sudden, you know, joins the Marines and gets, gets stationed in North Carolina, right on the coast there where it's (laughs) super flat. There's no elk. There's no, you know, no real back country to speak of on the, especially Mm -hmm. on the coast. Uh, It was, it was like a cultural shock. It was a, it was a, you know, just a, a totally different world. And, um, right. And that, that was my thing because it was like before I got out there, it was my family. We, we only hunted deer growing up and it was that was just kind of the thing. There were obviously elk hunting uh, was pretty prevalent in the state of Utah uh, growing up, but we just didn't do it for some reason. And and I remember we were up on a, and I'm not going to burn a spot because it, it's not like this anymore. But back in the day. We were up mule deer hunting up, uh, up kind of around Current Creek, if if you know where that's at. And, oh, yeah, hmm. And, uh, this was back before it got super, you know, popular and, and, and whatnot. And there was, there wasn't a ton of, it's just different. There, not everybody elk hunted. There was, like, elk hunters were kind of far and few between. And, and this is just kind of how it was back then. Yeah. I'm up there mule deer hunting and and this is where the the season kind of opened in mid September or whatever. And and I'm sitting there in this this buck kind of walks over this ridge. I'm way up high and and drops down into this this dark timber and I kind of lose him. I just I just wanted to sit there and wait him out. And it's it's first light. And all of a sudden I hear all these bugles start going on. You know, and I, I I knew what it was, but like I didn't know what it was. And the whole mountain lit up. There's there's bugles coming up from above me and they're they're below me, and there's there's these giant bull elk running across this open face across this drainage I'm sitting in and screaming their heads off, and I'm going, what in the hell are all these things doing, man? And and it was just like this this weird experience that kind of hooked me <laughs> to elk and and like I was all excited to go elk hunting after that. You know, I did. I never had an elk tag before and I'd never, I'd never seen a rut fest like that. And, and I thought, man, if I could figure out how to call them in, like, like I've seen on these Primo's videos, it would be pretty easy. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out that's not the case. Um, And then, and, and then I go off and join the Marines and they stationed me in North Carolina and they didn't have any elk. I think North Carolina has elk now, don't they? Didn't they release some? Oh yeah, they've
1: got they've got a herd. I think there's uh, either one or two tags. There's a handful of tags they hand out every year. Uh, but yeah, they're yeah. out there and yeah.
0: Somebody got a big sucker in Tennessee too. Uh, I saw a post the other day that just this giant monster bull out of Tennessee. So uh, obviously, when I was stationed out there, this is you know over 20 years ago. They didn't have elk in Tennessee and in North Carolina and Kentucky yeah. and those places. So uh, interesting. So you decided to stay in Utah then, huh?
1: Oh, yeah. So I uh, I definitely got hooked on just the public land, the mountains, because I, I love North Carolina. I love the culture, uh, but I definitely related more to the uh, outdoorsy fitness, uh, more, I guess, physically progressive uh, culture that it is out here on the West. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, you know, when I go back out east, it's like it's just a lot more laid back. Um, you know, we go out there to, to spend a vacation at a lake house and it's definitely a lot slower pace. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. I just didn't want to go back to live there after I got hooked on what the West had to offer. Yeah. Um, but I definitely, and, and what was going to get me to move back was, you know, I wanted to contribute to the community where I came from, but also um, I missed all the greenery. I missed all the wildlife. I missed at the nighttime, something that people don't re- realize, and I'm sure you noticed this, especially if you were out at uh, Camp Lejeune, but uh, where you, you know, the sun goes down and it just, the forest just lights up. Yeah. I mean, there's cicadas and crickets and bullfrogs and everything going off. And the first time I camped out West, I, I couldn't put a finger on it and figure it out as to why it creeped me out to be out in the mountains alone and then i went back home and I, I it hit me like a ton of bricks the first night i was there and sitting out on the screen porch and i heard all those animals going off and i'm like oh mm-hmm. it's just so quiet out west it's the it's like silence you can hear, yep yeah you can hear anything any stick breaking anything out west whereas out east it's like i mean the forest is just alive at night
0: yeah yeah i tell i tell my wife about that all the time because uh, she's never she's never been back east or down south where where the the woods just come to life at night like you said you know it's lit mm-hmm. up with fire uh, fireflies and and, yeah, and that's just it. the sounds the sounds are just so much more prolific um, and and this there's this there's this steady silence out west at nighttime that especially like if you're in grizz country you can you could just feel mm-hmm. the danger in it or something i don't know it's it's <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of fun but i got a question for you I, I always like to ask yeah. uh, this kind of, you know, more of a philosophical question for people that are really into the fitness aspect and how that ties together with hunting. Uh, because, like, I'm one of those guys, Jonathan, like, and, and I, you know, it's it's how I am just because of the nature of my personality. I don't do a ton of fitness stuff uh, in in preparation for hunting. I do a lot of hiking, but I live on a homestead, mm-hmm. so I'm constantly... You know, my goal is to break a sweat every day and, you know, whether I'm I'm splitting wood or I'm hauling lumber or I'm building chicken coops or I'm, you know, whatever, fixing fences, there's there's always something going on. And so I'm not like a uh, triathlete by any means, but I do pretty well in the woods um, until my buddy. Cousin shoots a bowl and I destroy my knee, who that's <laughs> severely arthritic from the Marines. But, um, anyways, yeah. So, so what I'm, I guess I'm trying to get at, I feel like I'm, I'm a, I'm like a lot of hunters where we, we keep ourselves in relatively good shape, but I am not, I'm certainly not a fitness model and I'm not, I'm not on your level in terms of fitness. How, how do you feel like fitness ties into your life and how it relates to hunting and, and kind of describe why, why that's so important to you.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate the question. It's definitely something that, so, uh, especially out West, um, even East Coasters and Midwesters that are dragging deer out, I, I think it's really important because it's not just about are you capable of packing out that bull, that deer, uh, dragging them out, getting your deer cart and bringing them out if you're on the East Coast or the Midwest, but it's, it's more about your longevity. And so many people want to talk about finances and all these other things, put investments in small investments here, build up over time, but no one realizes that a small 10 minutes of mobility every single day makes a game changing difference, your next hunting season.
0: Uh, and on top of that, mm -hmm. what, what type of mobility, 10 minutes of what type of mobility? What, what do you mean by that?
1: Well, I mean, if you're, so if you're into archery, Uh, You definitely want to make sure your shoulder capsules are healthy. And by shoulder capsules, I mean, I don't mean having the biggest delts out there and the biggest capped looking wide shoulders. It's more on the inside uh, that is important for archers. And this is more specifically to archery, but uh, going in and doing preventative work rather than reparative work, uh, preventing injury is way more valuable than having to go in and get a surgery later down the line. Sure. And by preventing injury, you know, you don't have to go in and lift a ton of crazy heavy weights. Just go in and get some stretchy bands. You know, I work with Crossover Symmetry. Um, they're a great brand for people to go check out that I highly recommend because they have different. You go in and you tell them basically what you're looking to, to do and they walk you through what you should do with their stretchy bands you could you could strap them to your door frame and take a 10 minute 15 minute break from work and get a little workout in at home or wherever you're at you don't need gym equipment but that would be the mobility work so just uh making sure your rotator cuff is good uh taken care of there's no clicking there's no pain um you know and and things along those lines for archers is is huge for hunters in general mobility um you know that's where you get the tightness in your hip flexors you get the problems with your back and a lot of back lower back issues are genuinely not from your actual back it's more from your hip flexors and having a weak having weak uh basically butt muscles you know your gluteus maximus and medius and and uh those muscles need to be uh stronger and, and more supportive so that when you are carrying out those heavy weights, or even when you are just packing in, if you're going in for three days and you're carrying 50 to 70 pounds on your back, um, that's something that you need to train your body for. And it's, it's rucking is good. Um, hiking is good, but the mobility is going to definitely help you recover faster. So I would highly recommend people look up, uh, mobility work for your, your hips, your knees, um, Another guy that I recommend is knees over toes guy uh he puts out a lot of free information out there. Uh, I don't know if, have you heard of him before?
0: no I haven't <clears throat> excuse me I haven't heard of him
1: so knees over toes guy is is definitely especially with you having knee issues. he's a guy that's had multiple knee replacements and he can he can now dunk again and he's like oh, five really? ten mm-hmm. yeah so and he's not a young guy <clears throat> um and so he he talks about building up basically all the, the strength and features around your knee uh, so that even if you do have some issues with your internal portion of your knee, uh, you can have you've got the strength to be able to build up your knees so that when you're out there going over deadfall or carrying out a bowl or things like that, you're not going to screw up your knee um, or risk that at all. Okay, And so, he, like, like I said, yeah, he puts out a lot of free information. Uh, Dan Staten is another guy that I I really like. He's he's a good friend of mine that oh, yeah. um, puts out really. He he lives the life.
0: Yes, he absolutely does, lives the life. Dan and I've said it a yeah. million times. Dan is a freaking animal, man. I love I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. yeah, 100%. super motivating.
1: And yeah, so those things along with just uh you know you you want to make sure that your your nutrition's good uh as well. But mobility mobility has been a game changer for me over the last two years. I'm not a very flexible guy, um, but going in and seeing a chiropractor and him telling me that my internal rotation is awful, me fixing that and realizing that my back pain went away um, and then looking into it and realizing that a lot of people have that same issue. That's something that definitely needs to be addressed with hunters.
0: Let me tell you about the show's newest sponsor, Juniper Mountain Coffee. You can check them out at junipermountaintradingpost.com and check out everything that they sell. I really like what they say on their website. And guys, if you are a coffee connoisseur like me, this here American company that's not run by a bunch of wokesters might be worth checking out for you. What they say is, We roast coffee for those loyal to a lost way of life, those that never back down in the face of adversity, the ones that keep their word, treat people with respect, and still believe in the importance of hard work. We offer some of the best coffee in the world and look forward to earning a spot in your cup. And they have definitely earned a spot in my cup. Whether you like light roast, dark roast, ground already, or not ground, you just want to order it fresh. And they even have those little pod things for those of you that just make one cup at a time. I drink too much coffee for that, so I don't do that. And they also have a cold brew. But it's a great company, great story. Uh, You guys are going to dig these guys. Check them out at JuniperMountainTradingPost.com. Let them know the Western Huntsman sent you. This is that time of year when it's really time to turn up the heat on your scouting. We're going through summer season. going to be here before you know it. And I don't care if you're going after mule deer, whitetail, the mighty whoppity, whatever it is. Scouting is imperative, and it makes it much easier when you use trail cameras where they are allowed. And uh, let me tell you something. I, I like trail cameras that are easy to use, functional, and have good quality pictures. That brings us to SpyPoint. Spy Point trail cameras. You can check them out at spypoint.com. And it doesn't matter if you're looking to do one of the cell cams like the Flex X or the Flex G36 or the LM2. They have some great deals on their website. Like right now, if you check them out, they've got some clearance cameras going on on the cell cams. You can also get a cell link that attaches to any regular cell camera and will uh, transmit pictures right to your phone. The other trail cameras, if you're way out in the backcountry and don't have phone service out there, the Force Pro S and the Force Pro are my go-to cameras. I absolutely love them. If you guys saw the pictures from this last bear season, they were really high-quality pictures, and they were all done with that Force Pro camera. So check it out, guys, at spypoint.com and let them know the Western Huntsman sent you yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. I think I think it goes a long way. All of this what you're talking about it does go a long way. You, you know, I it's again I I'm not I'm not the kind of guy that's going to go out there and run a marathon, but man, okay. I can I can go in the mountains, and, and I'm not going to go as fast as some people, and I'm going to go faster than others. But the the one of the things that I've noticed I've I've hunted with uh, a few different people is. You know sometimes they'll get there faster than me but i I can always get there and and I can always make it out of there, whether I'm carrying meat or not my my issue is and maybe this is gonna go to what you were speaking about but my issue is the next day uh and and mm-hmm. the and and i told you i i do have a knee problem in fact i'm I'm dealing with it right now I should be out uh i've my right my, my my girls have rifle tags for elk and it it started today and I should be out there, but I I can't reconcile this knee issue. Uh, I I need I need a few more days on it, and it because it, when it gets bad, it's bad, man. I like it really hurts. But, oh yeah. Uh, anyway, I I maybe sometime off the air I could pick your brain about a little bit of that stuff, but I'm gonna look up that knees and toes guy or knees over toes guy, because uh, that's my, yeah my, yeah that's knees my over toes. Point. Yeah, my weak point is my knee. Yeah.
1: And, and that's the thing too, it's, it's funny cause he's playing off of, cause when you, you know, if you know about traditional lifting, uh, with squats, they say, don't let your knees go over your toes because they're worried about the pressure that's going to put on your knees. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of playing off of that with, with the name knees over toes guy, because, uh, you know, he actually gets you to do things where you're not worried about putting your knees over your toes. Cause think of how many times in the mountain you stepped off a deadfall and your knees are way over your toes, oh, yeah. putting pressure on yeah. your knees that your knees aren't used to. Uh, and so it's, our bodies are made to move like that, but you also need to train that. And that's not trained in in typical traditional style, weightlifting, et cetera. So, um, the mobility work as well will definitely help with, uh, your recovery recovery is a big thing that people don't think about and not to, you know, I guess just using your example, um, you're missing out on days hunting because your knee screwed up Mm -hmm. now you can't really help the fact that the Marines did that to you, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I definitely, I've, I've seen plenty of uh, broken bodies living around Fort Bragg and, and growing up with my dad being a Marine. And, um, you know, it's it, there's fitness and then there's pushing yourself to the point where you're breaking your body. And I definitely would say the military breaks your body down pretty hard.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a difference between... You you know what what we're talking about like you have you have just flat out being out of shape that costs you re- recovery time mm-hmm. and then you have injuries and and so and they're two yeah. separate things. However, what what I've noticed uh, and this really speaks to the mobility aspect of what we're talking about. Um, what I notice is when I get really sedentary and let's say it's <laughs> it's I've got six feet of snow outside for two months and and I'm not. Um you know, real super active, I usually throw the snowshoes on and and I'll hike hike around the property or whatever, but um if I get sedentary or I'm driving a lot for work, which i which I do quite often, that's when the like arthritis part of my knees start kicking in. The more active I am, the less my knees bother me with the exception of my left which actually has an, a legitimate injury in it um, mm-hmm. but even that all i have to do if if i'm sedentary it's going to bother me a lot more than if i'm active I, and the more active i am versus lethargic and laying around and watching tv on the couch you know the the better my knees do and the, the and the faster i recover and so i i think i think that there's a lot of people that go out and and they don't realize the physical requirements it takes to get into elk country in the west mm-hmm. and and they're they're surprised, and they're they're you know it it like bogs them down during the hunt. Let's say somebody comes from from back east, especially, and they're not used to the altitude or or how steep these mountains are, and how far, how freaking far you have to go sometimes. Um, mm. And sometimes you don't, uh, you know. So there are a lot of elk close to the road too. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking yeah, of my buddy, yep. <laughs> my my buddy Jeff Bynum. Uh, he he made this post. He's pretty funny. He lives up in, in my neck of the woods here. He, he uh, shot this elk, and he's like, you know, a lot of people brag about how far back they go. I brag about how close to the road I can get an elk because I got to get it out myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so I like yeah. that concept, too. But, um, yeah, I just I think the... Uh, there is just a lot to be said for, for being prepared for how rugged these mountains are and how rugged and nasty elk country can be because even a mile can can just about kill you. <laughs> Some of these
1: sports, Well, right, and I, and I just wanted to, you know, I just want to bring up to people as well, like, uh, again, it's, you don't have to go try and be a bodybuilder. And I, honestly, it's probably not a good thing to carry extra muscle on the mountain because your body doesn't realize in in the moment of carrying the weight, it doesn't recognize the difference between muscle and fat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just recognizes weight. So whether you're a beefy two forty or you're a fat two forty, uh, your body just recognizes I'm carrying two hundred and forty pounds plus whatever you just threw on your back. And so it's different being in mountain shape than it is uh, you know, to go step on a bodybuilding stage or just to look good in general for aesthetics. And so You know, the recovery process is is definitely key. Uh, Nutrition plays a role in that. But also, like I was saying uh, about Eastern and Midwest hunters that maybe don't go out in the mountains, uh, it's really important to take care of your health so that you can share this with your kids, your grandkids. When you're climbing a tree, you know, you don't get woozy. When you're sitting down and then you stand up quickly, you don't get that vertigo because you're used to those kind of movements um and to to bring up a point that you brought up that when you move your knee feels better well uh, a lot of the knee capsule doesn't receive a lot of blood flow because of it being more tendons and ligaments and they're very they have very little blood flow and that's why it takes them longer to recover than a muscle per se oh interesting and so, i
0: didn't
1: know that so yeah so when you're sitting there not moving you're not getting the blood flow that is already less than for example your muscles or your organs uh, to that spot that needs the blood flow to get the nutrients to recover. And so that's another thing with recovery that people don't recognize. Like even, even though I take rest days generally on Sunday, Mm -hmm. I still go for at least a walk, if not a light ruck, uh, with my family or a hike or something along those lines, because I'm still wanting to get the blood flow going. It's not just a day where I sit on the couch and do nothing, you know, and, and our bodies are meant to move. It's just like the analogy of the door in the door hinge. If you have a door that you haven't opened for 20 years, you go to open that thing, it's going to squeak and creak and give you resistance. And our, our body's the same way. If you sit down and, and suppose you're taking a a rest, quote unquote, uh, your body is starting to stiffen up. You know, it's just, it's not getting the blood flow and movement that it needs.
0: I'm totally going to steal that analogy. I'm going to plagiarize that. I like it. Go for it. That's a great I can't remember time. where I took it
1: from. It's not mine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you you had mentioned, let, let's kind of shift gears here for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. you had mentioned kind of when we first started recording here, talking about the infighting within the hunting community, if you will. Mm-hmm uh and and that's a that's a big topic on this show, you know we talk about it a lot and and again it's funny man um you know, not to get sidetracked but i i feel rusty recording because i I mm. haven't sat behind this microphone in like three weeks. It's, it's <laughs> weird, I'm like, man, what do I even talk about? What's your favorite color, Jonathan and you can't say red yeah. <laughs> but um <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> anyways, um getting back to the the infighting you know my 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 philosophy on that is hunting hunting is one of those things where it's so personal to every every individual hunter and and the the opinions <laughs> are not just opinions they're very strong opinions and and yes. everybody has this vision of what is right and what is wrong and and what what should be discussed and 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 what shouldn't be brought up and just leave people alone and and there's like this fine line that we need to find that you know, where where we can communicate each other and and kind of self police some of the the bad apples, but also get along better and and not and not yes. destroy each other on social media, which is the bane of hunting's existence in my opinion at this point. <laughs> um, let's let's talk about that. What give give me kind of what your thoughts are on on the state of hunter hunters as a community, how they treat each other. And, and what you see is problematic to the future of hunting.
1: 100%. Yeah, there's there's a, man, that's such a, a wide topic. Uh, oh, yeah, first totally. off, I just want to say, just because I've I've delved into archery hunting, for example, there's a lot of people that I've realized that'll say that archery is better than rifle. And and for me, I'm going to tell you, they're two different beasts. And it depends on just like what you were saying, uh why are you hunting? What's the experience you're looking for? I went into archery because I enjoy the challenge. I'm okay with failure. And when I say, okay, I, I still beat myself up over it whenever I, I mess up or there's a failure. Um, but at the same time, I learn from it. I don't let it ruin my hunting experience per se. Uh, I recognize what was my mistakes, what I can do better and get better. That's that's something for me that archery just adds a whole nother level of um of skill because you have to know wind you have to know thermals you have to know uh you know being in the shadows uh you have to you know know your surroundings you have to know where the deer are going it's just or the elk or where, whatever you're hunting there's so many different things to archery you have to you know i i feel like for me personally maybe some people are different but i can pick up my rifle and maybe i haven't shot it in a year and within a shot or two i could be shooting 500 plus yards easy sure and and so that just to me, if I'm going to pick up my rifle again, I'm personally going to pick it up because I'm going after a more mature buck or, or elk, um, that would raise the challenge for me with archery or with, with rifle then, uh, like with archery, um, you know, I'm okay with shooting like this year, you know, I shot a, a, a four by five. That was my first bull. And, you know, obviously the minimum is a, a four by four. And on, on that day that I shot the bull, I was like, I don't care. I'm I'm going to shoot a cow. Cause it's a cow or a four by four or sorry, a cow or a four point or better on one side for a bull in Colorado. Yeah. That's the, that's the rule. So for me, I was like bare minimum. I'm cool with that. Whereas if I'd been, you know, if I had a couple elk under my belt um, it might be different, you know, and that's a personal thing for me. I don't go after people uh if they shoot, what some people call a raghorn i still call it a bull a spike is a bull you know like to me it's got antlers it's a bull uh and so i'm not anywhere near uh, enough elk harvest or deer harvest to where i can start caring about score per se or the maturity of the animal i want to just know that i can get it done and i want the meat but on the other side, you know, there's people that that'll say we had an experience here in Colorado that I'll just kind of run through real quick. But this, these guys drove from New York out to Colorado and they had I there was just something about them that made them seem as though they were either Mennonite or Amish. They had the, kind of that accent and you could tell they were rural guys, um, but huh. they had spent a lot of their hard earned money. In time, driving from New York to Colorado, gas money, food money, time, uh, tags, all of those things, and and you could they were on their last day when we ran into them. And the guy was leaving his bow at his camp because his brother had just shot a buck with a muzzleloader, and they were going to go recover it. We told him congratulations, awesome job. When we came back out that evening at dark, um, we saw them. They were just about to pull out. And we asked to see the buck cause we were like, you know, we wanted to celebrate with him. And, uh, the guy goes to pull it, pull out the, the, the head. And he's like, it's really not much to speak of. I'm like, look, dude, you drove how many hours spent, how much money and time they'd been out there for, I think they said 10 days or something like that. And whatever you got, as long as it's illegal, I don't care. Yeah. I'm happy for you. And we're sitting there, you know, talking to him about it. It was, it was a good little, uh, three point kind of what people would consider, I guess, a basket buck, but it was a three point on either side. Heck yeah. It was, it was a buck. I would have shot every day, any day. Yeah. And, and this guy pulls up, um, whips into camp and I, I hope he was just recognizing that they were leaving and he wasn't just pulling into their camp and planning on camping by them, but, uh, he gets out and. And uh, he's like, oh, you know, how have you guys been doing? Blah, blah. And he was kind of uh, razzing us a little bit because my buddy that was with us um, shoots for bear archery. Uh, he won the tack truck a couple years ago. And so he, his truck is all decked out. Oh, really sweet.
0: nice. <laughs> and
1: and so this guy comes up and he's just one of those negative Nancys. Just like, oh, oh, you're, aren't you so cool? Blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, great. This is an awesome. You can tell he was drunk. And it was yeah, like
0: one of those you, guys, you
1: know. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and then he's like, oh, you know, I see you got you got a buck. Let me see it. And he, he hands it over. And we had just got done like hyping this guy up, excited for him, sending him on their way back to New York. And the guy grabs it. and He's like, oh, well, you're killing our baby deer. That's stupid. And hands back the hands back the rack to him and walks back to his truck. And I was like, I really hope he was kind of being sarcastic, but I don't think he was. And so we're sitting there still talking with a guy from New York and from the truck, the guy yells back, you know what, that effing pisses me off that you come to my state and kill our baby deer, blah, blah, blah. And just like goes off, just belligerent, drunk yeah. rant. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, and he's like, I'm an ecologist and this is blah, blah, blah. And he yeah, said, right. what if he I came to your state and shot an
0: ecologist. your- him a break
1: exactly and, and he was like what if what if i came to your states and shot your baby deer and i i looked at him and i was like dude i shot a spike with my muzzle loader the first time i had an opportunity so you can come all day i'd love to hunt with you if you as long as you're not drunk yeah right no <laughs> he kidding like, and he 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 wasn't happy about that but i'm like look dude like i celebrate this guy or shut up like this is not the time to have the conversation about how you should shoot a mature buck when the buck's dead what are you gonna do put him back together and send him on his way like it's you know like i know it just go ahead things like that really things like that really bother me because again that dude probably spent more money and time on conservation the guy from new york the couple guys that had come out there they spent more money on their tags than that dude from colorado and even if that guy was an ecologist, he's not having the appropriate conversation at the appropriate time. Like, that's not the time to be upset. I feel like I feel talk like to the guy later.
0: I feel like ecologists have, like, enough. I, I, I can't see an ecologist complaining about that. Yeah, You know what I mean? Because they, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's it's like. Maybe if if he was an ecologist and you shot a little button buck where the antlers are, you know, just poking through the fur, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. get upset. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, you, you know, a three point buck is is um, you know could be as young as a year and a half, but usually that's a two and a half, three and a half year old buck uh, mm-hmm. for for a muley, and and so um, it's such a touchy subject too. People get really fired up as if they're their only goal is to go out and 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 their focus is a, a trophy buck, and I don't blame people like that. But they blame their failure on the fact that other people don't have that objective, and yes, it's it's okay to shoot a a, a forked horn muley or or a three point buck, mm-hmm. in in areas where that's a problem, it's usually. There's usually some kind of restriction on on antlers or or, or other kind yep. of management tool that is being used, shortened seasons or whatever, and and so I leave it to the scientists and I leave it to the, the the biologists that that work for the state fish and game agencies. Where, you know, if if that's legal, there's there's no reason to to go after somebody and and whine about it. I I just I don't understand why people want to put their uh principles or their beliefs or their opinions um mm-hmm. or what what they view as a hunting goal for themselves shoving that down other th- hunters throat it, 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 that's the kind of thing that drives me crazy as well and and i think where where it becomes damaging have i don't know if it, how how old are you jonathan i don't mean to put you on the spot with that but I'm 31 so uh i've got about 10 years on you And back in, back in the day when like Facebook first started, uh, I don't think Instagram was even around back then, but back in those Mm -hmm. days, you know, everybody posted a buck when, when they went hunting all the hunters and it didn't matter if it was a spike, it didn't matter if it was a 200 class, you know, mule deer, none of that mattered. Everybody posted it and initially it was super friendly and everybody kind of, you know, congratulated each other, but uh, social media has kind of developed this mentality where you know, I know a lot of people that get deer that don't post them because it's it's not some world class buck, and I don't shoot. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm a good mule deer hunter, and I've got some big I've got some big mule deer under my belt, or well, mule deer and whitetail. But that doesn't mean that if I go out and shoot a younger four point whitetail, uh, maybe either on my property or or up here on on you know public land whatever, I don't care. I'll post it. I, I'm, I'm not ashamed of whatever buck I, I kill, and and I, I, I'm even happier when my, my daughters might shoot a spike, and, and I'm perfectly happy with that. It's, how do we get to this point, in your opinion, how do we get to a point in which people can be proud again of what they set out for as an objective, and maybe it was just a spike bull elk, maybe it was just a little three-point mule deer, and, and you know, they're in in my opinion, I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate that hunter because that's that's success. That's what success looks like for me. Uh for or because that's what how they define it. i I you know for me yeah. I'm I'm gonna pursue hopefully a more mature animal, but as we get closer to season, a three point <laughs> buck starts looking pretty dang good, right? And so right. how I, I wonder if there's I always like to ask people this is, is there a way in your mind that we we bring the hostility amongst people and their, their hunting objectives and their opinions back down to a simmer instead of the boil that it's at?
1: Well, first and foremost, uh, the way I handle any kind of controversy, and this is the other thing too, if you're going to be on social media, you need to have a little bit of a thick skin because you're lashing back out, and I'm not saying you specifically, but yeah. people listening, lashing out at someone who makes a negative comment isn't helping the situation at all either yeah it's more about you know if someone comments something nasty i also say don't delete it because you know it just shows that person's true colors and leave the comment there and either choose to respond kindly and by kindly i mean educated um and and not taking personal offense uh and and or don't respond cuz mm-hmm. you know if you don't respond other people that are on there supporting you are going to see that response or that uh that comment as well so Whenever I have something negative, I'll just, for example, I had someone uh, talking crap on John Dudley on a podcast that I posted because I had him on the podcast and, uh, and they were like, oh, he's so full of himself, full of ego, blah, blah, blah. And that's not my experience. And everyone has a different experience with John. But for the majority of people, they recognize that he's a knowledgeable archer. And, uh, this guy, you know, he commented about how full of himself he is. And I just commented back. I was like, Oh, so, well, uh, you know, I'm sorry you've had that experience. Um, that's not my experience with him at all. And, and I respect his knowledge and, and the fact that he's willing to, uh, I think it was something along the lines of he's full of himself and he likes to hear himself talk. Yeah, And, uh, and I said, well, I said, honestly, I like to shut up and listen when there's someone that's got more experience in the archery world than I almost have years on this, on this world. And, 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 and just something like that. And I didn't take it personally and I'm not getting defensive for John and I'm sure John hears plenty of those comments. And so, uh, for me, it's just answering educated and then putting your own message out there. If you're going to post a deer, um, that you're proud of, be proud of it. Or an elk, or whatever, a hog, whatever it is that you're shooting. Uh, I'm not much into the wild, uh, I guess, fowl hunting, um, or waterfowl hunting, or, or upland game, or any of that. But if you're into that, you know, post it and then uh, be proud of it, because it, what matters is. And, and this is something funny that the guy that I took my my uh, elk skull to to get euroed. Um, he was talking about it too. Cause he's had some kids come in and he said, this dude shot probably a Boone and Crockett bull. And this kid, it was his first year. His dad's been putting him in and the kid comes in. He's like, Oh, do you think this is a good scoring bull? And the guy's like, yeah, this is an outstanding <laughs> bull for even people that have been. And he's like, are you sure he's going to score good? And then he, the kid looks around. He's like, why would someone shoot that looking at someone else's skull? And I'm like, and yeah. and See, so it's the it's that mentality, that mentality that, and it comes yeah. from. I would say it comes from parents, it comes from the upbringing, it comes from the mentors in the hunting industry, and all we can do is just have it one conversation at a time. It's just like the way that I treat raising my kids. When shit's going crazy in the world, I tend to stay away from the news, and I just I'm like, look, I need to focus on my own kids because those kids. Are going to be the ones that take over the world one day, and it's going to be their responsibility to take over what I leave for them. So I'm going to do my part in the community, but I'm also going to leave good kids for the world. Yeah. And so we have these tough conversations. And so I feel like I feel like treating the same thing with with hunting and outdoors in general is having that good one conversation at a time. If you have any reach on social media, podcasts, etc., having that good conversation one at a time. And just treating it that mm-hmm. way. That's really the only way to, to go about doing it. There's no, there's not going to be a mass change. And there's a lot of people that aren't going to be changed in their ways because they're stuck in their ways. And that's fine. You got to recognize that as well. Um, yeah, you know, sure. there's just going to be people that are like that. And then do your part, just like we did with this guy from New York. We kept bolstering him up until he pulled away. And then we left, you know, and, and just making sure that he understood that that one guy shouldn't ruin this hunt that he spent so much time and money on. um, And he should be proud of the buck that he has.
0: Because what I I want to talk about the repercussions of, of we're we're going to use your example. Uh, And, and I, I think that's a good way to highlight that we always talk about, you know, how big of a problem it is that the infighting within the hunting community and and how we treat each other and, and, and the hostility on social media and stuff. But we don't understand. I, I think I think not enough people talk about why it's a problem, not just that it's a problem. When right. when when we're using your example of the, of the fellow from, from New York, you know, um, I'm totally sidetracked because of what that story you told me with a taxidermist. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. It's always those kind of dudes, man, that don't know. <laughs> I've got this neighbor. He's got, I'm not kidding you. He's got this, uh, he didn't even get it euro He just basically kind of cut the, the cap of the skull out and hung these, uh, uh, it's like a 380 bowl. And he just kind of stuck it on his barn. Oh, and I'm man. like, what, why did you not get this thing like mounted and blah, blah, blah. And I'm kind of giving him a heart. He's an older guy and he's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I shot this in the field. uh 20 years ago down the road here and and you know it was like no big deal for him but I've never even seen right. a bull on public land on the hoof that big anyway so I got that distraction out of my mind going back to this fella that shot the buck in um in Colorado and and the guy that was uh, the resident that was that was kind of treating him like crap what's what's that New York guy going how is he going to react when Colorado hunters have some anti-hunting legislative action that is put in front of or you know let's say they're going to get rid of uh they already got rid of spring bear in colorado actually so i'm I'm, like thinking of washington but let's say they that something crazy something crazy no more mule deer hunting in in the state of colorado and don't put it a past some don't put that past some of these anti-hunting organizations they will they will pursue that stuff eventually oh yeah but it's becomes like you know now it's a colorado issue how are those hunters from new york going to think of colorado hunters now because that's the 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 one of the biggest tragedies of humanity is the one to ten percent of the bad apples out there represent and can shine uh negative light on on the you know the rest of us that uh, to me that's a tragedy like I think I've told the story before, but we we're talking about the Marines. When I was in the Marines, these these two Marines go out into California, into the desert somewhere, and and kill these wild horses, right? And they get they get arrested and and in trouble. These protected wild horses or whatever, they just go out and kill them for no reason. They just went out and shot them. That reflected on the entirety of the Marine Corps, and and everybody kind of looked at Marines as if they were just these, you know out there killing innocent wild horses for no reason and we're just bloodthirsty thirsty heathens you know and that that kind of stuff is something that i think has to be top of mind with all hunters is those new york hunters that, that what what reflected for them when they were in colorado was that colorado resident balling them out for shooting a three-point mule deer buck that is going to translate into them not wanting to be super supportive when something comes up in colorado uh, legislative-wise or, or, or otherwise, when when these anti-hunting organizations start sinking their teeth more into some of these legislative actions that take away hunting opportunities for the rest of us. And am I making any sense here? I feel like I'm rambling. No, yeah, it makes total sense. And so these repercussions, these repercussions are what we don't think about. So when we rip each other apart, whether, you know, the, the whole archery hunter versus rifle hunter, the repercussions of that are we are a force divided when, when we need everybody to be together because the, the anti-hunting organizations and the anti-hunting movement is a growing movement. It's not something that's festering out. It started roughly around the late 1960s, and it has progressively gotten worse and worse and worse. We're seeing it in the state of Washington. We're seeing hunting seasons being taken away, complete seasons, you know, just taken away. Right now, what's at stake in the state of Washington is all out, uh, you know, bear and mountain lion hunting. Uh, They're looking to eliminate that in in its entirety. And so when, when we treat each other like crap, I'm trying to watch my mouth for you, brother. Um, when we, when we treat each other like crap, that the, the support that is going to be necessary when these things start going more on a national level is just not going to be there. What say you on that?
1: You know, man, that's a, it's a deep subject. I'm just going to say that basically with, with hunters, you know, when you get people involved in general. Um, there's going to be such a wide variety of interactions and experiences that it, it's hard to, it's hard to say exactly how that's going to affect, you know, hunters uh, in general, uh, you know, the way that they have interactions. And in, for example, this guy that went out to New York or from New York to Colorado, etc. cetera. Um, I just feel that to kind of boil it all down and kind of how I, how I feel on the subject is um, we with our public lands they're public resources so we should share them and we should choose to have the conversations in an appropriate time uh, an appropriate time to have again that conversation about shooting a mature bull versus a uh you know a bull that maybe is what would be considered a raghorn or a spike um should be had not on the mountain and not over someone's kill or harvest, however you want to phrase that. Uh, and, and for me, the biggest thing is just to be, be kind and courteous. And if it's legal, let it be. And if it pisses you off enough that you want to blow up at somebody, then walk away, walk away from the situation, swipe away from the post, unfollow the person. It's all within your right. And those are all actions that you can take as well if you're upset about it. Now on the other end, um, I, I don't agree with you know, however different tags are, are allocated, but I, I don't agree with just going out and, and shooting anything that walks around either. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think everyone needs to have their own experience and, and the way this uh the way this this taxidermist mm-hmm. said, he he said basically the way I explain it to my kids, he said, and he's got all boys, so for women this probably won't apply, but uh <laughs> he said uh he said if it makes your pee tingle, then you bit like <laughs> <laughs> he like said that. if it makes you if it makes you excited then who gives a flying flip about what anyone else has to say because you were excited about it yeah um it's the same thing that i don't get all pissy about people making uh you know there's there a guy at my work for example another example this is something that that gets under my skin but i also didn't want to um blow up his accomplishment. I don't know him enough to have this conversation offline either, but he, he was bragging about a bull that he got last year, which was awesome. But then he, he followed up by saying, and I don't know why he had to put this in there, but he said he had to take seven shots with a rifle to get this bull down. And then he, and then he proceeded to say how awful the shots were. And in my mind, I'm like, you are ruining Hunting for a lot of these people in the office, some of them are animal lovers, and other others are, are not. But they're not anti hunters. They're just kind of in between. You're ruining the idea of a hunter for them. Gosh, you know, should not be shooting. You should not be shooting over a hundred yards, in my opinion. If you have to, the first shot is at seven to eight hundred yards, and you hit him in the leg, yeah. and then you hit him in the other leg, and then he proceeded to just say how he just. I mean, it was like torture. For me, it was like nails on a chalkboard and worse.
0: Yeah, that would drive me crazy.
1: Exactly. But I didn't say anything. So that was something that absolutely pissed me off. And I had to go and talk to one of my hunting buddies about it and just to vent because otherwise I was going to blow him up. Because that upsets me for the fact that there was such a lack of respect for that animal. And I don't even know after he turned him into Swiss cheese if he was able to harvest any of the meat. But,
0: you know seven shots my goodness
1: exactly and I, i'm like all, all the bone fragments and everything else is going to go into that meat it's like it, to me that would it hurt me enough my experience with my bull this year having to watch him die um because i hit him a little bit back uh and i wasn't able to get in a follow up shot mm-hmm. that hurt me knowing that i could have aimed maybe a little bit better you know and and for the for the full for the full thing people can go listen to the story i've got on the podcast i won't go into that but Um, that hurt me as an animal lover and respect for animals and nature uh, enough that way, let alone hearing someone go off about how they had to take seven shots on a bull with a rifle because they suck at being a marksman.
0: You know, here, here's, Um, here's the thing, man, with, with stuff like that, whether we're talking about your bull or this guy that, you know, knocked seven rounds into a, into an elk. The, the Bad stuff does happen, and there is an ugly side to hunting. The, the thing that we have to be cognizant of is why tell the general public about it? Why show that? Why discuss that part?
1: That That's saying, Why can't you just leave it at, hey, I got yeah, a bull?
0: Leave it. Leave it at that. Leave it at that. We don't need to tell aunt Betty who's never hunted in her life and loves every creature that that walks, you know, I'm like that too. I love, I love all animals. I I love animals. I, my favorite animal is a, is a black bear because I I just absolutely am amazed by these animals. And, and I just, I, I love them. I I love these animals, but I also hunt them and I also kill them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, things, it's, it's just really important that I, I think two things that come out of that story that really, you know, it gets to me, uh, or piques my interest in terms of conversation is is you know a uh, those kind of people they need to be made aware somehow that that is not appropriate because now you've got a you just left people that are not hunters and those are the people that we need to focus on. They're not anti-hunters mm-hmm. and they're not hunters. They're just the in-between. They don't really know how they feel about hunting. Well, guess how they feel now after hearing that story. Yeah. And so I yeah. don't think it's out of line. I wouldn't go around, you know, just attacking that guy, but I think it's not out of line to suggest that maybe we pull that guy aside and explain that, you know, man, I love hunting. I, I love hunting more than, you probably understand and when when you tell stories like that 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 are super graphic and tell the ugly side of hunting to people that don't hunt it really shines a negative light on us and it it reflects upon all of us and so i'm mm-hmm. just asking man in the future maybe let's not tell that part of the story and um exactly. and, and i think that that if if you come at it from that kind of approach and you know from a from a place of um you know, educating somebody. And I, I, hate, I hate even using that term because of what it's turned into, but helping them understand maybe that maybe they were just blind to what the, the effects of, of telling that kind of story could be. Um
1: Yeah. Anyways. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure why he felt like he knew, like it's not even, I don't see how that could be a brag in yeah. my opinion. It's not a know? brag.
0: Yeah. And that's and, and, and it's probably a new hunter or something.
1: Yeah. And so for me, that's just one of those things where I'm like, and I, I know enough about him to know that he uh, takes things very personal. And so, you know, I didn't want, I I don't know him well enough though, to be able to, to pull him aside like that, but it's, it's things like that where um, people need to, to learn to temper whatever it is that they're upset about and find a way to have that conversation in an appropriate time. Cause I'm sure in one of our in, in house meetings or end of year meetings, whatever, I'm going to run into him and he'll bring up my bowl and, And we'll talk about it. It may come up. And if it does, you know, I've had months to over a year now to, to think about how I would respond to to what he, what he said and did, but yeah, yeah, just being cognizant, like, you know, uh, there's, there's so many things out there. Like I've got pictures for me that I would never post on social media um, because some people would take it wrong or it's too bloody or, you know, things like that, that I don't want people to, to see from the hunting side of things. But another hunter would appreciate the fact that, you know, I've got, I, I took the heart and that my hands were covered in blood because, Mm -hmm. you know, I put the work in and I cleaned the animal and, um, other pictures that I just want to keep for me and for my kids, but I'm not going to put out there on social media. You know, there's just, there's certain things that, that people need to realize. You don't have to post every single thing, even though it may seem like a lot of us people, you know, like me or, uh, any other one, any other person out there that you want to consider as part of uh, the industry or a podcaster or whatever, may, you may feel like they post too much. But there's a there's a certain line that I personally have set for myself that I you know I'll post this, but I'm not going to post that, and I don't post every single thing because there's some things I just close. I, I hold closer to me than what needs to be told to the public. Sure, you know, um, and I have those more personal conversations. You know, you can't just put. My opinion, you shouldn't put everything on social media. You still need to have your own personal life and experiences that you share with people that are more dear and, uh, and close more. to you.
0: Couldn't agree you more. Know. Well, man, this has been a good conversation, brother. Um, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you?
1: Yeah, 100%. And I, I, again, I appreciate your time and you inviting me on the podcast. Uh, you know, I've got multiple different places. One that I, I want people to definitely check out is uh, the Day One Crew. It's my group on Facebook. If I didn't have that group and the First Form Outdoors group that I help run, um, I wouldn't be on Facebook, to be honest with you. I don't necessarily like the platform per se, but yeah. um, I do. it's a great place to have a personal group where uh, we encourage each other. We hold each other accountable to our certain goals. Um, and, and the whole idea behind the day one crew is there's a, there's a quote that I really like or a saying where it says, uh, one day or day one, you decide. And it just goes back to how many people are out there. You wake up every day and you say, well, one day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to go on this trip. One day I'm going to do this hunt. One day I'm going to get in better shape. Or you could wake up and say, today is day one of my journey for XYZ thing that you want to get after. And, and the day one, the idea of day one as well is how passionate are you? about whatever journey it is whether it's you're planning on a trip or you're getting in shape or you're going to go run a marathon whatever it is that you day one of your hunt uh the passion that you have on day one you should keep throughout your entire journey mm-hmm. and so that's why i've created the day one crew so i'd love to have people over there on instagram it's red dot beard outdoors i also have red beards gear i'm going to start posting most of my gear reviews on that page um and then, of course, podcasts and YouTube. Just Red Beard Outdoors. Look oh. me up.
0: Sweet man, I I love that concept of uh, one day outdoors. Or or one, what did you call that? The day, yeah, the day one crew. The day one crew. Yeah, I like that concept, man. I'm going to check that out. I'm that that might be worth getting on Facebook every once in a while for. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> so, stuff like that. <laughs> exactly, no. and if, even if people don't have a Facebook, which I I applaud people that don't have social media. Um, and so, if you don't have if you don't have Facebook or Instagram and want to connect with me, you're always welcome to send me an email. Uh, or again, if you have Instagram but not Facebook, shoot me your email address, and I'll get you in on our weekly. We do a weekly call every Tuesday night uh, with people in in the crew, and uh, or you can just shoot me an email if you don't have social media. And that's just redbeardoutdoors, Outdoors, the number one at gmail dot
0: com. Right on, man. Well, I think I feel like. Uh, you know, we just we just kind of got to know each other. We just kind of scratched the surface of some of these deeper topics. If um, you ever want to do it again, let, hit me up, man. I'd love to get you back on the show in the future. Hundred uh, yeah, like percent. I'm always yeah. open for a good conversation. Awesome, man. Well, I uh, again, I appreciate it. Stick on the line for just a minute, but uh, I appreciate you joining me. This uh, I'm going to put this episode out like immediately, and so um, let's just keep in touch, man. And, and uh, really, really great meeting you and getting to know you.
1: Same. same. No, I really appreciate your time and thanks for having me
0: on. You made it. That's the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please make sure you're following us on Instagram at the Western Huntsman and write us a good review at Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Stay Western and I'll see you on the mountain.